0: Hey everybody, welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank and I built this show to help you become a quote unquote better college student. So whether that's studying more efficiently, landing the job of your dreams, or simply learning how to manage your money, I want to help you make your university experience better. And on today's show, I'm talking to my friend Jim Hopkinson, who is the founder of SalaryTutor.com. And over there, he teaches people how to negotiate higher salaries for themselves in the jobs that they're getting or maybe in promotions that they're getting in their current jobs. And I absolutely love the work that Jim's doing because as somebody who uh, is focused on helping people eliminate their student debt, I realized that negotiating a higher salary can increase your income. And it's probably one of the most powerful ways that you can pay off your debt faster and also just achieve your goals through being able to make more money. So on this interview or yeah, in this conversation, we'll be talking about some ways that you can make a case for earning more money, even even if you're going into an entry level job straight out of school. So that's, what's coming up first. If you want to get my book on earning better grades, it's over hundred pages. I worked super hard over it uh, on it over the past three months of 2014 and it's absolutely free. So go over to collegeinfogeek.com slash book. If you want to get a copy of that, I would love to hear your thoughts on it if you're able to read it. So definitely let me know and if you have questions or opinions on the book, email over, email me over at thomas at collegeinfogeek.com and let me know what you think. Uh, you'll also find the show notes for this episode over at CIGpodcast.com. Scroll on down to the episode 52 link with Jim Hopkinson, and you'll find links to anything we mentioned. You'll find a summary, and you'll also find links that teach you how to subscribe to the show if you want to do that. So that's all I got to say for this intro. Let's get into the conversation. Hey, welcome to the show, Jim.
1: Thanks Tom. But actually sorry, first of all, is it Tom or Thomas?
0: It's Thomas usually, but you know, I'm actually not too picky about it. Okay. To be honest, right. is it Jim or James or Jim is fine. Is, yeah. there, is there like a is there a more complicated version of Jim that exists that I don't know about? I think it's just James, right?
1: Uh, you know, yeah, technically I'm a JJ, a
0: hoppy whatever, you know, like so. <laughs> <laughs> JJ, are you are you directing the new Star Wars? <laughs> exactly. You better make it good. Actually, my girlfriend right. and I just watched all six Star Wars over the past, like, week because she had nice. never seen them. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> she got to experience. All right, can, we, can we start over or no? <laughs> oh, man, we don't got to start over. We're good. All right, uh, we're good. <laughs> so, so you help people uh, negotiate higher salaries. Is that correct? That is correct. All right, then I feel the need to lead with the question that is probably on everyone's minds. Can a college student fresh out of school negotiate a salary? Because the what I was told in school by teachers, by, you know, career professionals is that as an entry level, uh, you know, job applicant, you don't really have a whole lot of leeway to negotiate. You just sort of need to take the first position you get and start building some career capital. Is that true? Or can you actually negotiate a higher salary or more benefits as like a, a greenhorn?
1: Um, I would agree that you don't have as much leeway, definitely, as someone later in the career, but you can absolutely negotiate your salary right out of school. Right okay. Out of college.
0: Cool, cool. And you, you were talking, you're telling me about somebody who listened to a podcast you did recently and like negotiated a thousand dollar increase or something. Is that
1: exactly. Yeah, I did a podcast earlier this week for 99U. That is part of um, like Behance and Adobe. And I gave a bunch of tips and the next day I got a tweet at Hopkins to report saying uh, implemented some of your techniques and I got a thousand dollar increase and a bonus. So I'm hopefully be able to give your listeners some tips that can help them get the same type of increase or maybe we can beat it.
0: That would be awesome. Did they happen to tell you what they did or just followed your tips in general?
1: Sure. Uh, I can jump right into it. You know, I, I can go real deep on. Uh, creating these incredible documents and using FBI hostage negotiation techniques. But <laughs> if, if, but if you want just one simple line that if you're like, I'm so stressed out, how I do this, da, 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 the one simple line you can say is, is let's say they say, um, well, Thomas, you know, we had a great interview with you. We, we'd like to offer you the position. Um, and we'd like to offer you a starting salary of $50,000. You could reply and say, wow, you know, thank you so much for that generous offer. Oh, I'm curious. Is there any flexibility? in that number Mm. so simple sentence just you know i'm curious you know is there any flexibility in that number you'd probably want to back it up a little bit by um i'll bring you to my second tip which is not only this but that so kind of giving that reason so saying not only am i coming into this job with uh, a degree in you know cis and leadership skills you know from running our uh, campus student senate but i also have the unique ability to you know, work on apps and and get them trending in the iTunes app store, something like that. Mm.
0: And would you say that even if they weren't like asking for that, like, would you want to, would you want to like talk about skills that are maybe outside of the job description as like an additional bonus? Or do you want to focus only on if they wanted you to make apps?
1: Um, You'd want to listen, you know, during the interview process, you want to be listening for, you know, what are their pain points? What are the things that you can do that other people might not be able to? Because when you get to the point when you're in the final rounds of an interview, it's pretty competitive, right? The, the job market out there is super competitive. Um, everyone went to a decent school. Everyone had decent grades. Everyone's done an internship. So it becomes like, what are those things that will make you stand out? And sometimes it's as simple as like, and I can start tomorrow, you know, it, and they don't want you know, to, you know, wait for someone to give a two-week notice or move from across the country. But, you know, I'll, I'll give you another example. Um Someone that I helped get an $11,000 increase with a single email. And so, and again, this wasn't a, a high-flying hedge fund manager. It was a someone in almost a nonprofit, like in the museum field. Okay. And she had gone on the interview and she had learned what this company needed and everyone loves art and everyone had some qualifications and they wrote to her and I think they offered her, I think it was 41,000. Mm. And she wrote back via email and said, you know, started out with a few things. Oh, here's about moving. And I questioned about this a question about that. And then she just said, in terms of salary, because I've coming into this position, not only with, museum curation skills and management skills, but with unique ability to build a brand new program from scratch. I feel that, you know, I was hoping for something in the higher end of the range. And she had said, I think something in the 40 to 65 range, something like that. Okay. And they, they came back and they offered her 52. She went from like 41 to 52. Wow. And she was thrilled, right? So that's almost a thousand dollars a month by spending one hour um, with me, you know, crafting this email, what's the best way to approach it, what's, you know, we're fine-tuning the language, and it just showed that they said, you know what, an important thing for this company was to build a new program, and she had that experience, and not everyone else did, and that's going to be worth it for um, a company to bring someone in that has that experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really just about, you know, being the best person that can meet all the needs of the company, not necessarily just the, the the narrow set of skills that they may have put in a job ad. Exactly. Um, so I actually had somebody reach out to me, a writer, in uh, the past couple of weeks, and she wanted to know my thoughts on like negotiating salary if you don't have very much experience in like this specific skill area uh, that you're applying for. So I'm kind of wondering, like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I I sort of like personally went into well your, your skill set in that area isn't the only thing you have to offer you have other things like your passion or interest or like how, how much you're going to bring to the company culture how much they'll like you that kind of stuff um, so what are like some other areas you can sort of play up to make yourself more of a like a better case for getting a higher salary or, or maybe just getting hired in the first place other than your specific skills
1: um, I mean I think just- even your enthusiasm is you know, underrated that people don't come on, come in with enough enthusiasm or research on the company and just hard work. Um, you know, if you can come in, I, I've seen people do this where they say, listen, I might not have, you know, the 10 years experience programming like the next person or I might not have um, a master's degree. But I promise you, I'm one of the hardest working people you're ever going to meet. And I'm going to come in here and I'm going to be relentless at working at this company because I want this job. This is the company that I want to work for. And I'm willing to do, you know, come in here and work super hard and do anything you need to give
0: me that experience. Okay. And is there like a, is there a line you don't want to cross to like sound desperate in that situation then?
1: Definitely. You you want to do it within context. um, But... You know, if you if you think you're kind of the underdog um,
0: and, you, you know, that sometimes you have to pull out different stops to, to make yourself stand out. OK, OK. So really, it's about highlighting, you know, your ability to work hard, maybe showing some past examples rather than relying only on a promise of something. You know, it's it's not something like super tangible, like a skill. So I think if you only promise it, it might be it might like fall on, I guess, not as solid ground as if you could say. Uh here is exactly what I'll do or here's a here's a past case where you can see how hard of a worker I am that kind right. of right you
1: know following any of that always with something like let me give you an example is is always the best way to go and in, in kind of you know illustrating why you know an example of that
0: yeah cuz it, it's funny like have you hired anybody in the past yourself i have yep Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I've just made a couple of hires in the past few months. So I'm now, I'm now like sitting on the other side of the table <laughs> where I have experience both getting hired and then actually doing the hiring. And it's, it's really eye opening having to do that, you know, cause when you're, when you're just, you know, an employee and you haven't really hired anyone before, you don't really get the perspective and see what exactly somebody's looking for in the context of being an employer. And you can kind of think of it as like this huge monolithic, you know, organization with like just the right things to say. And like, there's a secret password to getting a better salary or something. And really it's a stressed out business owner who just wants to find the best possible person who they're going to like and who's not going to pester them with questions and who's actually going to care and, you know, give a crap about what they're doing and hopefully make it better.
1: And how did you find, like, what would you say the percentage breakdown was of people that were generally qualified for the job or people that weren't even close and then kind of the top cream of the crop?
0: Well, let's see here for the last position. Um, so the first position that I hired for, quote unquote, was not very informal because uh, it was more like I knew a person, like a friend of a friend who offered to help out with some stuff. And I was like, yeah, I think you could do that. You're hired. Uh, the second one, I put an actual ad to my email list. And I believe I got 11 or 12 applications. So probably three, four, or five of them were just, like, not qualified. Um, like, you know, I, I, I liked all the applications. They all, like, expressed interest. They said they would work very hard. Some of them were like, I just, I don't know the programs, but I would be willing to learn. Um, some of them, they knew it. They had some work they could show me. I was very impressed with that. But the one I ended up hiring was the girl who both had experience but also knew my brand well enough to craft her her application to like mm-hmm. make me smile, make me like love it. And, you know, this wouldn't work for every company, obviously, but she made like a web page resume with like animated GIFs that were funny and perfectly pointed to all the, you know, the points that I was looking for. And I was like, this is great. You know, I know you're going to put passion into your work because you put obviously more passion into your application than the average person would. And you also have the skills you need and you know my brand. So that's why I decided to hire her. And how much longer do you think it took her to build that website? Um, you know, probably not a whole ton of time, five hours, maybe, right? Like, cause it was, it was actually a page in her own personal website. Like she had a personal website with her portfolio and everything. And she just created a new page. So right. you know, I would imagine that she, I think she had been writing my blog for a couple of years. So she didn't have to do a ton of research. Um, so I guess whatever, however long it took her to kind of pull together her portfolio, uh, figure out the way to write it and then find the pictures. I would imagine it's amazing like, a couple hours.
1: Yeah, and it, it's amazing the people that won't put in an extra two hours because yeah. like, well, that's a waste of time if I don't get the job. Um, you know, So I, I have a funny – and it's actually a great way for you and for people looking to hire to qualify people. It's just giving them just the lowest little bar to jump over. So let me tell you a funny story that kind of got me in trouble a little bit. Um, <laughs> so I was hiring um, – so I worked at Wired.com for several years, and I was hiring hiring an intern. And I kind of went around the path. Like I think you're supposed to formally go through HR and they have a whole program, but we were kind of an offshoot of, of the, you know, the digital side. And so I just put something up on Craigslist and I, and I just said, here's what I'm looking for. And I said, well, why not? I'll, I'll put the whole laundry list. I'm like, you should be a tech geek, you know, working at Wired. You should know the brand. You should um, know marketing. You should know Excel and just, you know, almost looking for a little mini me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I get to the bottom and I just, uh, on a whim i just said bonus question what is my favorite baseball team and so what i would do and and i wrote about this on salary.com and the, it was the first article, ironically, that I did for them and the comments went crazy. They're like, you are a stuck up male chauvinist. You're a megalomaniac. All you think about is yourself. That's not a fair question. What does that have to do with a marketing person? And I was like, whoa. But you know, when I went in, I, it was great because it gave me an opportunity to do the, the follow up article and say, here's how the things broke down. So number one, 50% or more, probably 60% of the people didn't even answer the question. And so a lot of people, what they thought was that I, if if they didn't get the answer right, they were automatically out. And I looked at every single resume that came in and the people that didn't answer the question wouldn't have gotten the job anyway. So it's not like, someone was qualified, but they got the question wrong. So that kind of told me they they weren't even interested enough to answer the question. Let me look at their resume. Nope. They never would have passed it anyway. Yeah. So then the the remaining percent was interesting because I had people guess, you know, just be like, you like the Baltimore Orioles. And it's like, uh, Nope, incorrect. And then I had people adamant, like, you should, you know, you should like the San Diego Padres (laughs) I'm like, Nope, that's wrong. Um, And then, some did a little bit of research and said, well, I think he's based in New York. It must be the Yankees. And it's like wrong, you know. So yeah. um so um, imagine my delight when you get that application that says dear die hard Boston Red Sox fan. And it's <laughs> like, yes, this person paid attention. And you know, I was wasn't trying to be mean. You had to send the email to um guy at wired.com. Yeah. If you threw marketingguyatwired.com into Google, up popped my name. And if you pop, if you type Jim Hopkinson, favorite baseball team, I had like three or four blog posts where I talked about the Red Sox. I would change my Facebook picture to wearing a Red Sox hat. Um, You could find my bio on multiple websites that showed I grew up in Boston. So it wasn't that hard to find it. And without fail, anyone that got to that level of research was someone that would have made the top 1% anyway. And it was just an amazing way to kind of qualify people.
0: Yes, I Freaking love that story. Uh, I, so there, I have a concept that I talk about in my blog a lot, like the concept of being a solution finder. And mm. I think a lot of students are not solution finders. I think a lot of people are not solution finders. And what that means is when they run into a problem that they don't understand, they freeze up and ask for help immediately. And what I want people to do instead of doing that is to, <laughs> I guess the, 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 the specific way you could do it is simply go to Google, but find a way to solve the problem yourself. And right. I had to learn this because my first job in college was a uh, tech support dude. And my job was to solve problems that there were not answers for in the database a lot of times. So I had to go trawling through Google and it just kind of shows this difference between students who will do the thing that most people won't do. And then the, the rest of the people that won't do it and yeah. the people that will do it, they're going to stand out. And I, you know, I, I say stuff like you should put a crap ton of effort into this job application. Like you should build an entire website talking about why you want to work for this person or you should research them and figure out what their favorite baseball uh, ball team is a lot of the answers i hear you know how do you ever have time for that because you have to apply for so many jobs because you don't you don't know which one you'll get you have to put out like a ton of applications and i'm like if you just shotgun out a bunch of applications and they're all like the minimum effort you're not going to get hired for any of them but if you put like amazing effort into one you're probably going to get hired in that job you know
1: Absolutely yeah you're going about it the wrong way. Um, I've got a couple of points on that. So number one, I was also a tech support rep was my first job out of college. Oh really? Uh so 100% agree with you and you absolutely see that that and I actually equate it to when i 'm helping someone negotiate their salary there 's that light bulb moment, so when we were doing tech support, you would train a new person, and you know so it was literally a typical like your call may be monitored, so like I would be the senior rep with my headset on on mute, and they would have their headset on, and you can train them for two weeks, like if this is the question, do that, if this is the error, oh that 's the bug we know about for this, but you don't know what's going to happen. and You can only do that so much until you just you've got to get on the phone live. It's like driving, right? You can yeah. watch, a, you know, read about how to learn how to drive a car. But until you get in the car, there's no no difference. Mm. So and you could see the switch. So in the beginning, someone would say, hi, yeah, um, I'm having trouble printing. And then they look at you panicked. And they put on like, hold on one sec. They put you on mute. Like, <laughs> what do I do? I'm like, you know, ask them, you know, tell them to go into file and printer setup. OK, sir, go to file and printer setup. OK, I did that. It's the HP desk chat. And then they look at me and I'm like, OK, tell them to do this. And so that's like that first stage. And then once they've done a few calls, then it kind of switches and they take that bigger perspective like, OK, what's the big perspective? How's this printed before? Did this just start happening? Why is it printing wrong? And and sometimes some people never make that switch. They always need that step by step. And I see the same thing with salary negotiation. Um, you know, I, I, I tell them what, you know, the first stage is I tell them what to say. And so they're like, um, I really feel my worth is this. And then what if I come back and say this? Well, I think that. But when you hit that light switch moment, it's when you believe it, right? It's when mm-hmm. it's in your heart and you're like, I know that I'm worth this money and I do feel that I have the skills that are better than someone else. And that's when you really make a great connection.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's just kind of, I guess, building that confidence. And as an employer, you know, interviewing somebody, you want to see that in your applicant.
1: Yeah and I'll give you another story is I I to some degree I'm kind of mean about some of the questions not not mean but I justified it and then I got asked this question you know so I was going for my dream job at ESPN you know working in sports working in internet tech back mm-hmm. in the day and they asked me this thing called the locker question and uh, I don't know if you want to hear the whole thing, but it's, it's, it's pretty, it's an engineer asks me and it's basically there's like a hundred lockers in a row and one person goes through and opens the lockers and the second person opens every second locker and the third person opens every third locker. After a okay. hundred people go through, how many lockers are open? It's just this complicated thing. And okay. the number one th- thing is like, it's not the question. It's read behind the question. What yeah. is the goal of this? And every interview question, you could look at this. And I would have people like, I have no idea. And it's kind of like, <laughs> oh, great. So when faced with a problem, you don't know, you instantly give up. Great. Um, on the flip side, I've had people – so if the first thing I would do as an interviewer is i give it to them and i watch their first reaction. Do they panic? Are they fired up? Are they thinking? Do they just guess? Then I would wait, and I actually – First, I would have them give them a piece of paper and say, well, just sketch it out. And then I actually went to the step to printing out a pre-made 10 by 10 grid and handed it to them and say, why don't you do just the first 10 and see what happens? And so they'll go through the 10 by 10 grid and you just watching them do that. You gain some insights and sometimes they get the answer. Sometimes they don't. But it's, again, the way they. Um, you know, it's the way they approach it. And the people I've hired, I've had one person like was stuck on it and I'm like, well, you know, that's okay. It's a really hard. And like, no, 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 I want to finish Hold on. <laughs> you know? And then actually the person I hired, um, she, she got so mad that she couldn't get it in, in the interview. She went home and she built, um, a replica model in Excel <laughs> and did like <laughs> proof of concept of how to solve it
0: through Excel. And I'm like, that's the person I ended up hiring. Yeah. It's amazing. That's awesome. Have you seen the imitation game by chance? I haven't. Uh, there's a scene in it. It's about Alan Turing and uh, you know, the development of the machine that broke the Enigma in World War II. But there's a scene where he, he's looking to hire more mathematicians for, uh, for the project. So he puts this, this crossword in the paper. And it's like, if you can solve this crossword in 10 minutes, then show up at this place at this time. And then he gives everyone in the, uh, the room a problem that's supposed to be impossible to solve. And the other guy asks him like, so is everyone going to solve this problem in the time limit? And he's like, no, it's, it's probably impossible for them to solve in the time limit. What I want to see is how they go about it. You know? Right. And that's exactly
1: what happened to me is, you know, I was going for like a producer marketing, you know, technical producer job. And this engineer wanted to just see how technically oriented I was. And I said, can I use the whiteboard? And I got up and I started sketching it out with a very logical process. And that was at least enough for him to say, well, you might not have got the answer right, but I like the way he went at it. He didn't get flustered and he used logic to get towards the answer.
0: Yeah. Yep. And I think sometimes you have to, like, when you actually are in the position, you have to get over this, like, fear of making a mistake to actually do this. Absolutely. I, I mean, I actually, I actually got fired from a job once when I was in high school. <laughs> um, I may have been immature for the job, but I got hired at an insurance agency and I think I just pestered the, uh, the business owner so much with questions about how to do her, her books because I was, like, so afraid of making a mistake and, and screwing up her accounting system that I was, like, constantly interrupting her own work. And I realize now, like, that's not what you want from an employee because they're supposed to save you time, not make you take more time out of your day to train them all the time. So, Right. (laughs) So did you end up getting the job at ESPN? I did, yeah. Awesome.
1: So, you know, I don't know. I think what might be helpful for the listeners, if, if you have any questions, I, I've been fortunate enough to work in all three spheres. So I worked at a startup. I was the third, em- per- third person employee at a startup. I worked at major brands in the corporate world, uh, ESPN and Wired. So dream job in sports, dream job in tech. And then for the past three or four years, I've been a solopreneur, so to speak, um, doing a lot of different things in terms of, you know, helping people negotiate their salary, but also speaking, teaching. Um, I'm an author and it's been, you know, three different, you know, Zappos talks about three stages of your careers in and in a career and about, about happiness. Mm-hmm. And they say, you know, the first stage of your career is about, you know, basically a job, right? Doing something that <laughs> ideally you love, um, but, you know, maybe it's still just a job. And I kind of look at that as the tech support job was, you know, I like doing it. I was good at it. It was my first job out of school it was great. Um, and then even the startup. It, I was just learning so much. So it, it was a job and I was learning. Then the second phase of your career is getting into the state of flow, like doing something where time and space disappears. And for me, that was working at ESPN. I mean, we were working sometimes 19 hour days when we were launching, you know, the fall was brutal because I worked in their fantasy games department. Okay. So anyone that plays fantasy football on ESPN, uh, all of a people out there whose uh, boyfriends or, or wives are, you know, they disappear for six months. That's my fault, right? Okay. It's funny because still to this day, there's like rules that, they're like, wait a minute, three people had a six and seven record and we tied and we went to the playoffs and the advanced tiebreaker says, I'm like, yeah, I wrote that rule back in 1999. To, <laughs> you know, split that tiebreaker, which is pretty cool. But um that's like the state of flow. I mean, the worst day of my life, I'm still talking about sports, right? So just just totally immersed in what I loved and working there for hours was amazing. And then this final stage you get to is kind of something bigger than yourself. So giving back and, and making a difference. And, you know, I know we, we met at the World Domination Summit and a lot of people, um, you know, we can identify with a lot of the speakers and the, and the people that are there. And for me, it's you know, Wired started out really great, is working on a lot of tech. And at the end, I went to a different department, and I was doing um, subscriptions, really? which is fine. And, you know, I, I again, I love the brand, I had a great time there. But kind of at the end, I was like, my job right now is technically to convince people to buy a magazine for $10 by giving them a, a hat that I know cost 50 cents, right? And I'm like, is that my legacy? And so now that I have my own company, it's, it's, I'm helping people negotiate their salary. I'm helping people earn more money, be happier, um, have a better life, be able to take out friends and buy drinks and, and, you know, support their family. And, and I have a whole bunch of stories about that. So it's, I can look back and say, no, I'm making a difference now.
0: Yeah. And I personally love the difference because, I mean, my, one of my main missions is to help people eliminate their student debt faster or, you know, stay out of it. But if they have it, negotiating higher salary is, probably the fastest way that that's going to happen you know i mean you can only be so frugal especially when you're right out of college but if you can negotiate eleven thousand dollars extra per year you know that's an extra right. grand if you were already you know if like that that uh, the museum curator lady if she was already planning on living on 41k that extra thousand could go straight to a student loan if you had it so exactly yeah so I'm, I'm curious with this first job uh at a school the tech support one was this something where you actually tried to negotiate your salary, or were the negotiation techniques something? I you did learned later? So
1: that's a great story. So what happened was you know in my book, I talk about just again, making it simple, two simple rules are to be able to say, I was prepared, and I did everything I could. So you never want to walk in unprepared and they're like, we want to offer you this. And you're like, um, um, because the most likely thing you're going to say is okay, you know? Yeah. Um, and at least to be able to say everything you could. So I went into my first, um, offer. Now I'm an old man here. So I graduated in 91. And for the people that say, well, Jim, it's different now. It's, it's just, you know, we're just coming off for a session. Uh, in the six months after I graduated in 1991, 92, um, was the worst. Uh, unemployment rate—the highest unemployment rate that we would see until 2007, 2008. So I definitely graduated at the worst possible time uh, yeah. in the past 25 years, except for this, you know, last little run here. Mm. So I had looked for six months; I couldn't get a job for more than six months. I was working at Staples uh, just to earn some money on the side, and so I finally get this interview um, for tech support. And one of the great things was. They said, well, what are you doing now? And I said, well, actually, I'm selling computers at Staples, but your software is installed on every computer that I sell, so I'm familiar with the company. Oh, that's great, that's great. So that e- evil HR lady sits me down, and she <laughs> says, well, Jim, you know, we, we talked to Cecilia and Doug, everyone thought you were a great fit. Uh, we'd like to ha- offer you, you know, a position, and the starting salary is $20,000, and I was like, oh man, because, you know, every guide in my, you know, coming out of college said the average computer information systems major makes $41,423. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm going to get 40 grand, $20,000. And I'm like, oh man. So I came back to her and I said, well, you know, uh, as you know, I'm a computer information systems major. And I think my technical background is going to make me an excellent employee for this position. And um, I'm not sure if they told you, but I'm actually selling your software right now. versus other people that come in, I have um, a little more advantage because I'm already familiar with all of your products. And she looked at me and she said, Jim, everyone makes $20,000 to start. Do you want the job or not? And I said, okay, I'll take the job. Now, you might think that's a failed negotiation. But if you look at my two rules, I was prepared, right? I, I was ready once she gave me that question. And I did everything that I could. I counteroffered. I said what I wanted. And I think I said, I, you know, I was looking for something in, you know, in the mid 20s. And I did everything I could. And she told me that every single person started at that same position. And here, what happens at that point is it comes back to you. So I had a choice, I could go to work and finally get my first job, get my foot in the door. And then work up from there. Um, but I knew that the person sitting right next to me wasn't making more than me. That's what you want to avoid is regret, right? Mm. Um, the worst thing is to accept that job and then say, you know, afterwards, oh man, I wonder if someone else right next to me is making five or ten thousand dollars more because they negotiated and I didn't. Yeah. So if I honestly thought that, you know what, screw that, I can go to another job and make twenty-five or I can make thirty then that was up to me. But in that case, I decided to take it. And every six months after that, I immediately got a raise, I got promoted. And I just once I was in there, I, you know, crushed it. Awesome.
0: You know, it's interesting that you, you know, had the, I guess the confidence to ask that question, you know, can I have more? Because once you once you are told that you have the job, like you have a lot of loss aversion to get over in order to make that your request.
1: You have loss aversion, but that's also when you have the most leverage, right? Mm -hmm. And the way I I illustrate that in one of my courses is that, you know, imagine their side of it, right? They've got... Two open positions. They, they put the ad in the paper. It costs them hundreds or whatever, sometimes thousands of dollars to advertise. They've got to bring in, they get 500 resumes. They got to pay someone to whittle through from 500 down to 50 resumes. Then they got to whittle that down to 10 resumes. Then they have to schedule and they have to line up all of their high price managers to interview you and they get it down to five and they go through the interview and they get down to the last second and they offer you 20,000 and you say, you know, I, I was hoping to get closer to 25. Do you think they're going to say, no, forget it. Get, bring back those 500 <laughs> resumes. Let's, I, this was our top candidate, but let's go back. I'd rather go through those 500 resumes again than give that person the 2% extra. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and the statistics bear that out. Um, you know, the number of, it's like 80% of companies expect you to negotiate. Most companies leave that wiggle room. They expect you to make a counter offer and it all comes down to just the, the way you do it. it, it's not, you know, sure, if you're like, well, that's bull, I, I went to the best college in California, and I, I'm worth $50,000, then yeah, they might pull the offer on you. But if you yeah. do it in a business-like manner, you're, you're
0: usually in good shape. So you don't want to be Kanye. You also don't want to be a doormat.
1: <laughs> exactly. So so let me give you another story if you want. Um, so I call this the tale of two interns. And so I have uh, – I had one intern – come up to me and she was like, Jim, Jim, guess what? Uh, well, the backstory was internally, someone said, hey, we have a, a, an opening for a sales associate. Does anyone have any, any ideas? And I said, oh, my intern, intern would be perfect. So I recommended her for the job and I get a phone call and the phone rings and it's like, hey, Jim, this is, you know, whatever, um, you know, Melissa, the hiring manager. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, Stacy is amazing, right? Is there is there any way that You you wouldn't, is there anything I'm missing? I'm like, no, she's amazing. And so I hang up the phone. Two seconds later, she sits right next to me, her phone rings. And this is all I hear. Like, hello? Hey, hi, awesome, great, definitely, great, okay, bye. And she hangs up to the phone and she says, Jim, Jim, I got the job. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Of course you did. I know you were so qualified and um, I'm so excited for you. I, I know I hate that I'm losing my best intern, but, you know, you deserve the job. That's great. And then I said, so, um, Stacey, uh, I, I didn't hear everything, but did you, did you negotiate? Did they talk about money at all? And she said, and I think it was maybe like $15 an hour or so, so that would be like 30 k So it's not a bad you know, entry level sometimes. And, yeah. and she said, oh, yeah, you know, it's $15 an hour. And I said, did you negotiate? I'm like, you're in a pretty strong position. You've worked here for six months. You know all the salespeople already. You're not just someone off the street. And she said, I just got so excited I didn't know what to say. And I said, Mm. Stacey, you have my manuscript. Like literally, it was the month before my book came out. And I said, I know you're job searching. Here's the manuscript of my book (laughs) showing you exactly what to say. Now in the end, she, you know, she turned out fine. She's still there. She got promoted multiple times. But all she had to do was is say that one line of um, you know, because I'm not a brand new candidate, I actually know the sales team and I, and I'm very, um, I know I've worked here already. Is there any flexibility in that number? Would they have gone to $17 an hour, $18 an hour? She'll never know. Yeah. So a week later, my second intern comes up to me. Yes. I lost both interns in the <laughs> same week. And so, uh, this is Kenny. And so he's like, boss, boss, uh, you know that thing I told you about? Well, I got the offer, but I know you're the salary guy. So I didn't say anything yet. What should I do? And I said, okay. And I said, well, you know, what did they offer? And I think it might have been like 38 at the time. And I said, here's what you do. You know, you don't have a lot of leverage, but just go back. And when you call them back, set up a situation where you're just kind of verifying things first and then ask for more. So I told them to say, Um, Thank you so much for this offer. I've had, you know, a couple hours to think about it. And, you know, I just want to verify everything. So number one, you know, I would be the associate marketing, you know, coordinator. Got it. Uh, I'd be reporting to John. Okay. You want me to report on, you know, February 1st is my first day. And, and then say just, I'm just curious, you know, because uh, I'm not right out of school, but I, I do have experience. Uh, I have this degree and I did this and I'm coming in with this information. I'm wondering if there's any flexibility in that number. And he's like, got it, boss. He runs off and uh, a few minutes later, uh, he comes back and he doesn't look so happy. And I'm like, uh oh. I'm like, Kenny, Kenny, what's wrong? He's like, well, he's like, number one, you know that VP that I know at the company that I, that got me the job. I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, I called him, I called him first and he said, don't negotiate. And I was like, well, okay. You know, that's, that's his opinion, but we should be okay. And he's like, number two, Um, they said that they were already going to pay me, they were originally going to pay me 35. So they already built in. $3,000 $3,000 because of that experience. And I was like, well, that's okay. And he's like, in number three, they said no one in the history of the company had ever negotiated before for that position. They were going to have to go back to the hiring manager and check it. And they were going to have to go back to finance to check on the budget. He's like, dude, I think I lost the job. And I was like, oh my gosh, You know, I just cost this guy his first job. Like, I'm like, no, no, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. I'm like, "Well, well, tell me, how did the conversation go? And he looks at me and he says- I told them, um, I'm living at home with my parents on Long Island. I need to move into New York City to have a better life and be with my friends. And I need to make $39,000. And I was like, that's not what I told you to say at all. I'm like, you know, number one, where you live or what you do or if you have student loans, that's not their problem. They want to know that you're working for them. And first of all, why did you ask for just a $1,000? That's not even going to make a difference. He's like, oh, man, I blew it. So he sulks off. I jump on a conference call. I'm freaking out. He's freaking out. Next thing I know, they come – both Kenny and Stacey come running up to me. I don't know if they're going to stab me or they're going to high-five me or what's going on. And they're like, Jim, Jim, guess what happened? And just as they're about to talk, um, someone on the conference calls like, Jim, what do you think? And I'm like, um, uh yes, I think that would be great. And they're trying to get my attention and they grab a piece of paper and they scribble something down and I'm talking and they hold it up and I look over and it says – 40000 we win. And so not only did he do everything wrong, um, not only had they already done – given them a raise, but he became the highest paid entry-level person in the history of that company. And so even though he just went from 38 to 40 – now he's saying he's starting at the early, you know, I started in the low forties and every raise is going to be built on 40,000, not 38. And then the next job he goes to. And if you, even that $2,000 increase then will lead to hundreds of thousands of dollars amortized over your entire career.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, I was, so I was cringing a bit when you said he talked about like what he, like why he wanted the money and the, you know, personal reasons. Cause you know, you realize that like, jobs are an exchange of value. They don't care about your personal life, but it still worked out in the end.
1: Yeah, one thing uh, people have said is, you know, you get paid because you either make the company money, you save the company money, or you do something that no one else can do. Yeah. And so you you don't want to say, well, I have a high student loan, or oh, my rent is so high. Once in a while, I, I'll, I've been using this with some people I work with, to, to throw it out there and then take it back. So it's like, I I haven't had it, um, you know, misfire at all, but it's, it's an interesting way to show that you know that. So the way I told them if they wanted to say it, you could say something like, so, so let's say, uh, you know, someone is offered, you know, 35k in their typical college student and they've got 70k of, of debt or something. And they know they've been on a couple other interviews and they know that the going rate is 40 to 50. So if they get offered 35k, they could say something like, um, you know, uh, you know, unfortunately that range is a, a little lower than I've seen on the market. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about, you know, the beginning of my career, I've got, you know, some student loans. So I, you know, I want to make sure I have a great apartment and I'm able to be happy to, you know, to get to the apartment, but, but, but I know that's not your problem. I know the fact that I'm just out of school or that I want to have another apartment. I know that isn't your concern, but here's what I feel is that, um, you know based on the skills that i'm bringing for someone with my you know the skills that i have in this marketplace i feel that you know something in the 40 to 50 range would be you know more more valuable something like that
0: okay so you need to tie it to you know the market rate like what's a fair wage for that position your skills not just like please give me charity because i want to live a better life in my personal life
1: absolutely and and i always say yeah, that with, with research brings confidence so mm. if you know, I talk to people and, and that's you know one of the number one questions that I get is how do I know what I'm worth? And so some people are like, oh I went on salary.com and payscale.com and I looked it up and it's like, that's great. I love those sites, I write for those sites, but go beyond that. So if you did that and you spent ten minutes and it turned out you you know, you're like, oh I think I'm worth you know forty thousand, you know, forty to forty-five. And then they offer you that, you know, so say you get an offer for 42, you're like, is that a good offer or not? But if you research on those sites, if you check out industry um, salary guides for whatever industry you're in, if you talk to mentors, if you go on other interviews, if you go on to job fairs and you ask there, if you go to your career center, if you have all of a sudden 10, 15, 20 data points, and all of them say that someone with your skills is paying between 45 and 60. Then, if they offer you 42, boom, you instantly know that that's on the low side. If someone offers you 55, you instantly off know that that's on the high side. So, with that research comes, um, you know, great power, as they say in the comic books, something yeah. to that effect.
0: Yeah. And this knowledge is power, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, I, I guess, uh, you know, personally, there are a couple things that I would say anybody should do. You know, whether you're in college or not, if you want to get a new job, one interview for jobs that you might not care about just to get the experience. Mm-hmm. And then two, ask people out to coffee who work in those positions, like not to ask for a job just to kind of get their experience, know what the day to day is like, all that kind of stuff. Just know, you know, 100 percent.
1: That's the thing that I'm. You know, because it's so competitive, here's some tips for, for job seekers is, is making sure you stand out in, in, as, uh, since it's College Info Geek, you know, use the stats in your favor, right? So I don't have an official number, but figure, 80% of the resumes that I see are the same boring Microsoft Word resume, right? Mm-hmm. Do you do anything to differentiate, differentiate your resume from anyone else's? Um, there's a phrase like, pretend you're 39 of 70. What the heck does that mean? Pretend the HR person has a stack of 70 resumes and you're the 39th one. Like, how are you standing out? Yeah. Um, number two, um, 80, 90%, probably 100% of companies are going to Google you. What happens when it comes up? Yes. Now, the worst thing is, yeah, your drunken tequila pictures from spring break come out, but even if it's, oh, it's just my LinkedIn page, um, I'm like, that's, it's nothing bad. I'm like, that's great, but what if you had a beautiful one page website that just summarizes your skills and had your resume and a portfolio, et cetera? Yeah. And I know you're, you're a big proponent of that. Um, then, then that second one, the portfolio. Um, 80% of people are going to come in and and they'll say, well, tell me about a project you worked on. And they're going to tell them. You be different and show them. So if you come in and say, oh, I put together a digital portfolio on the iPad of you know a couple projects that I worked on in college. Um, this is kind of the some photos from the event. This is the social media campaign we did. This is some tweets from satisfied users. Here's some testimonials and here's the challenge that I have. Here's the actions that I took and here are the results. Like. No one else is doing that, right? Yeah. Um, and then lastly, up to 80% of jobs are through networking. Um, I spoke at a 99U conference and I'm, I said, raise your hand, how many people got your job by going on to, you know, monster.com and shotgunning resumes in one person? So 49 out of 50 people got their job, 98% through networking. And it's like, why would you do anything else but network? And, yeah. and I had a, a same story, a friend of mine He got laid off and he asked to take me to coffee and we went to lunch and you know, end up going to this big lunch. And at the end, I'm like, Hey, let me get this. He's like, no, no, no. I'm like, listen, you just got laid off. I know you haven't, you know, you're probably not in the best financial spot. He's like, no, he's like, I sat down with my wife and we assessed how we're going to conduct this job search and we're taking a long-term view. And I know that so many jobs are through networking. So we, we budgeted a coffee and lunch fund. And that's how I'm conducting my job search by paying people to go to coffee and go to lunch. And he wasn't out of work for very long.
0: Yeah, I love that. I'm tearing my hair out in it right now. I I mean, I have, uh, you know, I I know somebody who's looking for a job and they are basically just sending out resumes and looking at job sites. And I'm like, okay, I know I know that you're not, you know, a big, you know, a big fan of conversation and social interactions and stuff, but it's going to take you a long time to get something. And And when you, when you do find something, it's not going to be anything good because it's, it's on a job site. Like if it's there and they haven't hired through networking for it, you know, it's probably not amazing yet. Yeah. You might get lucky, but probably not.
1: Yep. Um, and then the last tip I'll give is it sounds so simple. It was blowing my mind that people were just doing what you want. So, I, I was at, or what you want to try to do. So I was at an event and it was probably 50% people that were juniors and seniors in, in school and 50% people that maybe one year, maybe two years out. And I, they give me the resume. We did, it was almost like a speed networking thing. And so every five minutes, a new person was sitting in front of me. And, you know, some of them would say like, um, you know, oh, so, you know, what I really wanted to do is become an editor and a writer. And I'm like, oh, so do you have a website? Do you have a blog? Well, not really. I'm like, well, why aren't you writing? Like, the first question someone's going to say is, you want to be a writer, why aren't you writing? And then I had someone say, well, I'm really into video. And I want to, you know, eventually my dream is to be an on air personality and host something. I'm like, oh, so do you have a YouTube channel? Are you cranking out videos every single night now? Well, I'm planning on it, but, you know, or or designers, (laughs) I, I really love the intersection of of design and technology. I'm like, oh, where's your do you have a portfolio showing that? Well, I'm redesigned. It's like, really, really, you don't have this, you know, you don't have a. Or, and of course, I ask every single person, do you own your name. dot com? Do you have a resume? Yeah. I mean, um, uh, you know, a website, and it's it's probably ten or fifteen, twenty percent at most. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I want to Mark- express
0: an opinion here, and Go may, for maybe it. you'll agree with this, maybe you'll disagree with it. Um, when I talk to somebody and they tell me something they want to do, like, oh, I want to be an illustrator, I want to do videos or something, I want to be an editor. If it's something they could be doing now and they tell me they have not started, I don't just think, oh, you're missing your opportunity. I get annoyed with them. Yeah. And my brain goes, you will fail because you're not the kind of person to go figure it out right now. It's like the kind of person who feels that they need to go buy like a jogging suit and $500 running shoes before they can go running. Like, no, if you're not out there running right now in your jeans and and new balances, then you are likely to fail. So it's right. like I think it's a detriment, not just like a missed opportunity, but it's an actual detriment, and it will do you harm if if you're not trying to do what it is you want to do in some capacity right now.
1: Yeah, and when I'm in a real, you know, get really you know it, I mock them and I say, well, you know, I understand that building a website generally takes six to eight months and you know thirty thousand dollars, but oh no, oh wait a minute, it's. It's $12. It's a, <laughs> it's a dollar. It's free. <laughs> like it's two hours. <laughs> to nice. buy, to buy your URL is a dollar a month. Um, and you can literally, um, I know you have some great resources on your site. One company I know of is strikingly. Um, mm. if you go to strikingly.com slash LinkedIn, you can literally click one button and it will pull your LinkedIn profile and turn it into a mobile responsive website for free. Uh, Even if you just do that and then you can pay a little bit more to get. So instead of, you know, thomasfrank.strikingly.com, you can pay whatever, just like Wix or just like Squarespace, you know, a little extra to get your URL so that you have, you know, thomasfrank.com and, and, uh, you know, collegeinfogeek.com or whatever URL you want to use. And it just blows my mind that. People don't. I actually spoke to a class, and I was telling them that, you know, 90% of people, you know, will Google you. You should have your URL. And we had like a Facebook group after, and someone's like, "Hey, can um, does anyone have any free resources for buying a URL? I was on GoDaddy, and they want a credit card. It's like $2.99." I'm like really like $3 (laughs) is too much to spend. And so, you know, it's, and I know it's, I understand it's difficult. You know, you're you're coming out of school, every, every dollar counts, but at this point, the more you can look at the value of something versus the cost. So, okay. Even if it was a hundred dollars to build this website, but it gets you the job, what is that worth? And you know, Mm -hmm. I deal with it a lot too. So people will come to me and they say, you know, Oh, how much is it, you know, for your one-on-one rates to help me negotiate my salary or, well, how much is your online course? And I say like, well, you know, I and I even make it less for college students. Cause I feel that, you know, I'm like, you know, my online courses, it's only $49. And, and they'd be like, Oh, oh I can't afford that. And it's like, I just told you the average person that takes it makes 5,000. Where is your yeah. math where you spend 50 in, in my mind, either, if you spent forty nine and it made you fifty, it's worth it. And if if I charged you four thousand dollars, but it got you a five thousand dollars raise, that you would still be happy with that. So yeah. thinking about that value versus cost.
0: I mean, it's it's the entire concept of investment at all. You know, investment of effort, investment of money into like a mutual fund, or investment of money into a resource that's going to make you more money through skills you learn. A lot of people are afraid to make investments, or they don't see the value, the future value. They can't see anything past you know two days from now. Absolutely. I think you have to realize that you have to realize that investing as a general concept is the, is like the main thing that's going to get you from where you are to any higher place in life. Exactly. If you, if you do not invest, you stay where you are. Yeah. So yeah, you know, that's why like I'll pay $250 for a course on how to write a book because I assume that it's going to make me more money down the line. I'll pay my friend $200 for his speaking course because if one school pays me 1000 to speak, it's paid for itself immediately. And I will pay for hosting or I'll pay for my domain or anything like that because it's going to get me a job, you know. And it might get me a better job than I would have gotten.
1: I mean, all you have to do is look at college, right? Mm-hmm. Can you afford $100,000 or $200,000? You can't, quote, like afford it. No one's paying $200,000 yeah. cash. But you make that because it's an investment that's statistically going to pay off for you in the long run.
0: Yeah, and that that is a confusing thing. People are definitely like willing to invest in the most expensive thing ever, which is college. But then when it comes right. to investing in a smaller thing, it's like uh, pinching pennies and hemorrhaging dollars. Or I forget the actual actual saying for it, but right. Um, <laughs> or like the people <laughs> who buy like a super fancy sports car and then complain about the gas prices. <laughs> it's like, dude, you just like hemorrhaged all this money on this big thing, and now you're complaining about a ten cent increase in the gas price. Exactly. But yeah, I would say, you know, so if, if, if this doesn't make sense to you yet, print off a stack of like 90 sample resumes from Google and just do the exercise yourself, go through it and try to find the best one. I think that will sort of like kind of drive the point home that anything you can do to sort of stand out because, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem as uh, important to you because you're the, you're, you're only looking at your own resume, but when it's you know, in the stack of a of, of stressed hiring manager, anything that sticks out, anything that's interesting, you know. Right. Our brains are wired to see tigers, not Microsoft Word documents.
1: Yeah. And and it's, um, you know, it's important to know where, you know, along that um, continuum of where you fall. So if you're going for, you know, you know, you're in finance or maybe an accounting job at an insurance company, you know, maybe you don't want to do an infographic resume. Maybe it's just a splash of color or maybe it's a little bit of, you know, some bold or underlining or a couple of tiny graphics. But if you're a designer or you're any, you know, in any kind of creative field, absolutely, you should have something that makes you stand out other than, you know, Microsoft Word template number 72.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As long as Jack Welch isn't the person looking over your resume, give it a little bit of something. <laughs> right. Cool. So you you uh, mentioned earlier that you have like a specific page for College of Geek readers, listeners viewers, etc. Definitely. So uh um, my,
1: my website for helping people negotiate their salary is called Salary Tutor. And I've set up a, a landing page, salarytutor.com slash college info geek. And what I've I'll even do better than forty nine. Um so my intro course is called the negotiation mindset. So this is just a real great place to start if you know all of this seems a little overwhelming. Um it's fun, it's 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 short, it's less than twenty minutes, it's entertaining. It's got um improv trained actors that I hired for some of the scenarios and uh, over 18,000 people have taken it. And so it's a great way to just um, see, you know, what's at stake, What are the stats behind it? You know, the, the why behind why you should negotiate. Um, then if you go through that and you like it, then, um, like I said, there's how to negotiate your first job offer. Um, and I have a pro and a student edition. So for those people that are looking for their first job, um, check out the student edition and that's only $49 and it's works the same way. You can take it at your own pace and, um, It breaks down pretty easily where you, I show you first why it matters. Second, how to find out what you're worth, um, how to avoid, you know, filling in those boxes when, you know, they ask you if you do look online. Um, I have some tips on body language. There's some really interesting studies on exactly like where to sit during the interview even or what you can do. The t- just for two minutes before your interview, that could raise the chance of, of you getting an increase. Then I have those FBI hostage negotiation techniques. Then I break down everything in terms of like the benefits because a lot of times – um, you know, students, you might not be able to negotiate that first salary that much, but there's a lot of different benefits taken to take into, you know, working from home or flex time or training or mentorship, other things that might even be more important at an early stage in your career. Um, and then the, I have a whole bunch of case studies. I talked to some teachers um, at colleges in New York that talked that worked with interns and how what they should look for for getting jobs. And then finally, I have a pretty fun um, hot seat video where. It's it's an evil HR person sitting there. They ask you a question and then there's a countdown timer and she just sits there quiet and you have to practice what your responses are okay. because I, I've definitely found a, a huge correlation between the amount of practice you put in in terms of even if it's with a friend or a girlfriend, a parent or whatever, um, you know, practicing. If they say this, how do you respond? Nope, you went too long. Nope, keep it shorter. Um, and so that can be, you know, very helpful.
0: Cool, cool so salary com slash college info geek correct awesome and if people want to connect with you online like any social media or anything like that where can they find
1: you uh you can find me on twitter at hopkinson report cool and i have uh JimHopkinson.com. it's uh of course having said all we did in rant um <laughs> my website needs a little bit of updating and uh you know turned it to mobile responsive and all that stuff getting around to it but um yeah, it's, it's up there. Then again, I'm not the one that needs a job right now, right? So, uh, <laughs> I can throw that back at them, but no, I, I definitely, I love what you're doing. Um, I love the way you're helping people get out of debt and the, and the cool things and the, and the resources and especially definitely bonded over that. Like, why don't people have their websites? So when I saw <laughs> that your guide there, the ultimate guide on setting up your own website, I thought that was fantastic.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, man, thanks for coming on the show.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: All right, well, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Jim and learned something new. Once again, the link to his site is salarytutor.com/slash info geek. There you'll find a page specifically for CIG listeners. And uh one thing I don't think we mentioned in the actual interview is he has an initial free course that teaches you some of his material right up front. So if you want to get that stuff absolutely free, sign up and you will start learning how to negotiate a higher salary. So once again, if you've got questions about college, you can email me over at Thomas at And if you want to find my favorite resources for being a better college student whether that's becoming more productive or budgeting or finding cheaper textbooks and saving money uh, I also got my favorite books books I recommend to every single student over there then head on over to collegeinfogeek.com slash resources and if you want to support the show you can subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes it's really easy takes about five minutes and really helps the show out bumps it up the charts and shows it to more students who might be looking at the iTunes homepage so that's all I got for this week next week we we got another podcast interview coming, as always. I'm not exactly sure why I said that, but you'll see it then. So stay cute. Thanks for listening to the College Info Geek Podcast. Grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com.